Now, what I started last week, I couldn't complete. I really wanted to get the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, specifically verse 18, because of the theme of freedom. And I wanted to incorporate that somehow within the whole Fourth uh, of July message. But uh, what I want to do today is I'm going to go ahead and go back over it. And I just ran out of time. You know me, I'm long-winded anyways. But uh, what I want to do today is kind of go back and refresh, go back over the first three points we talked about last week, the first few verses. And you almost have to go through the whole chapter. And I'm going to read the whole chapter from verse 1 and on. And it's only going to take me a couple of minutes, two and a half at the most, uh, to read this one chapter. But follow along with me, if you will as we read through 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. And, uh, and then after we're done here, I'm going to uh, lead you in a word of prayer as we prepare ourselves and our heart to meet uh, with God as He speaks to us through His Word. And, uh, and then we'll just go from that point forward. All right. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3 out of the English Standard Version, and it reads like this. And it says, Are we, being, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you, or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and to read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward you, or toward God, excuse me. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face, because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to us an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ it is taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Father in heaven, thank you once again for giving us this portion of Scripture that we will dive into. And Lord, as always, we ask that you lead us, helping us to see the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant, what the new covenant has for us and what the old covenant was to do. So Lord, help us to go into this verse and this portion of scriptures and leave this place renewed, refreshed, and understanding that we live under a new covenant. 
We don't have to live by man-made rules or tradition or any other legalism, but God, we have freedom in you, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the freedom that we have thus far to be able to worship together, to be able to sing together. Lord, we know that our liberties are being threatened even as we speak, but Father, as long as I have breath in my lungs, I will praise you regardless of what any man says. So I pray that we can reach others to do the same wherever they are, whether at home, whether here, or wherever they may be. So we ask you, Father, to empower us to proclaim the message with boldness because of this hope that we have, which is found in Jesus Christ, our solid rock. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen and amen. Very quickly, let me just go over the last few points that we talked about. I shared with you last week about old glory. Now, in first, the first few verses, 1 through 5, in 2 Corinthians, uh, actually all through 6, we, we talked about the man of God. That was during the Father's Day message. And during the Father's Day message, we were able to bring together the things that Paul was saying, look, this is, you are my recommendation. I, you don't need a letter of recommendation from me because who you are and what you are doing and, and who you are becoming in Christ, that is sufficient and I pray that uh, as people's lives that we've been able to uh, touch and being able to disciple as they go from this place and go to different places, uh, I, I constantly hear from people that, that, that are always saying, thank you for being there. As a matter of fact, this morning I had somebody drive in, and, and uh, as they were driving out, they says, I just wanted to stop by and thank you for all that you were there. And the interesting thing was that I haven't seen this person in over 10 years, and I still recognized him. Uh, he says, you've grown a little. Oh, yeah, I've been going to school. He says, no, you've grown a little. <laughs> Anyways, but, uh, and so I am hoping, and I am praying, I'm anticipating. Now, when I use the word hope, many people get the, well, I wish type of connotation from it. But the word in the Bible, hope, is an expectation. My hope, my expectation is that as God's word, God's word permeates your life, that it also flows and permeates to other parts of your world that other people can come to know who Jesus Christ is. And so we talked about the glory that was shining from Moses' face and how this glorious time that God uh, was able to dispense to Moses the law and give him the, the, the tablets that he himself wrote, and he brought them down to the mountain and shared them with the people. But the first thing he saw was a, a very debauchery, debauched, situation where everybody was doing what they wanted to do, and they were worshiping a calf. And so Moses broke those commandments, went back up, came back down with the glory of the Lord around him and showed them, look, this is what God wants you to do. And what Paul is pointing and picturing here is he's showing us the old covenant as opposed to the new covenant. Now, the new covenant has been ratified with Jesus Christ, and the old covenant was given to us so that we can have something to look at, to be able to see what it is that we need to aspire to. It wasn't designed for each of us to try to hit every single step. Mark that one off my list. Mark that one off my list. Look at me. I'm such a great person, aren't I? I was able to grow in all these commandments. And as the Bible has said, you fail in one, you fail in all of them. And the, the bad thing about being a legalist and checking off this list is it's very prideful. And pride always comes before the fall. And so here is what Paul is showing us. He's showing us the old covenant. It doesn't have grace. As a matter of fact, every commandment, every, every commandment in the, in the, in the Bible uh, that you look at, God says, don't have any other gods before me or you will die. 
They'll kill you. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God, or you will be killed. Do not, um, you know, you go on, honor your father and your mother, or you will be killed. Honor the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, or you will be killed. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery, or you will be killed. These commandments, they weren't designed to be uh, tried and, and be made because they have no grace. As a matter of fact, if you want to follow the law of the land or the law of the letter, uh, the letter of the law, what will happen is you'll find out, as Paul said here, it's a condemnation. It is what's happening against us. You're condemning yourself. And so Paul says, you have the old covenant, but now you have the new covenant. And this is the new covenant that they spoke about, the prophets spoke about in the past. Jeremiah talked about these. Ezekiel talked about the new covenant. The new covenant was always part of the plan. It wasn't plan B. It was always part of the plan. Now, with that being said, we're not getting rid of the old covenant. We're not trying to say the old covenant is useless. No. Jesus himself said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And so now there is a higher standard. It is by grace that you're saved through faith. But that standard now is above and beyond what even the law itself could not provide. And what Jesus Christ did on the cross was to provide for us this salvation. And so as we talked about this last week, we talked about how, the number one, let's just fill these out very quickly, the new covenant provides life. The new covenant provides life. In verses 5 through 6, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And there's always that idea. From the very beginning, man has tried to reach up to God. That's what we call religion. They tried to reach up to God, and Satan always tries to pervert the gospel of Jesus Christ. He keeps man away from the cross. He says, you need to follow these rigid guidelines. And in this religion that people get involved in, whether it's in the church, whether it's from home, wherever it's at, people dive into this religious activity even by attending church, even by being baptized, as you'll witness today, some people think, well, if I can just do that, then everything will be okay. You know, if I take the Lord's Supper, then everything will be, if I take communion or the sacrament once a week, everything will be okay. As long as I can read my Bible or, or you add your preference in there, because all of us grew up with some sort of religion. We grew up understanding that if you do this, then this is going to happen, and you'll end up going to hell. What we have to understand is that it's Jesus Christ who saved each and every elect person that he died for. And you are an example. You are uh, the product of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When you commit your life to Christ and you recognize that he's the one that saved you, it's not your religious outdoing. And there are many people that are being duped and really feel secure, and they're, they're following this religious outline. And this is what Jesus Christ was saying to the Pharisees. He tells the disciples, as a matter of fact, you know, your righteousness, your righteousness has to supersede that of the Pharisees. It has to supersede that. And, and so the disciples said, well, you know, none of us could ever be that good. And that's exactly what I'm saying, Jesus says, because there's a righteousness that's going to be imputed on you by the atonement that is going to take place. You're going to be able to stand in this righteousness because of what Jesus Christ does on the cross. And so it provides life. 
Not death as the letter would give us. Number two, we talked about this. The new covenant produces righteousness. Talked a little bit about that just right now. Now, if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to it, excuse me, to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. And Paul is showing this example. You see that glory that Moses had, that glory that shone from his face? Well, that thing faded. That faded from Moses' face, just like this covenant, the old covenant, it, it fades, so it's still there, but it fades. I used last week the example of these LED lights that I have on my driveway and on my front door. And they're, they're censored, they're, they're sensitive to the darkness and the light. As soon as it gets dark, the lights go on because they're needed. And it lights up my driveway and my walkway, and, and it, it's for secure reasons. You know, the, the point of this is that when the sun comes up, it starts to burst brighter than anything than you can ever imagine. And it tells my LED sensor lights, you're no longer needed. This is a light that is shining across the whole world. And this light is what is needed now. And so the LED lights are put aside, of course, until the darkness comes again. And what Paul is saying here is that that old covenant was a, a light sensory situation a mechanism that comes on that came on during the dark period but now jesus christ has revealed this new covenant and this new covenant paul says is the covenant the ministry of righteousness the ministry of righteousness you are made righteous not because of who you are you're not made righteous because of the good that you've done and you're not being condemned or made righteous either, which it's all because of what Jesus Christ has done. Number three, the new covenant is permanent. Again, as I mentioned here a little bit ago, indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. That which came to an end... Paul says, that which the Israelites were afraid to look at, that which stunned them all. And after Moses finished talking to them, after it was all done, he puts this veil on his face so that the Israelites can say, okay, please don't zap us because we're looking at the glory of God. That which faded away, Paul is saying, if that had glory, how much more glory does the new covenant have? For if what was being brought to an end, which it was, uh, came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. The new covenant. This new covenant. Now, one of the things that I mentioned last week is that there's the talk of covenants, and it's, it's important to try to understand these covenants. A covenant is an agreement between God and His people, and He keeps His covenant all the time. And there was two, actually there were four, there were two that were done not uh, related to salvation, but two that were related to salvation. The, the first two were the Aaronic and the priestly covenants that God had with the priests and with Aaron. And then the other two were the Davidic and the Moses covenant, the, the, the covenants that were um, the Mosaic covenant and the Davidic covenant. And those two had to deal with uh, salvation. And those are the two covenants that Paul is talking about. It says, this salvation covenant, this this promise, this cannot break, cannot breach promise that God made with, with mankind is one that will last forever. 
the, uh, I'm sorry, I said Moses, but the Abrahamic covenant, Abraham's and David's, the two covenants that he made with them. And those are the covenants that Paul is referring to here. Now, now we have the new covenant, number four in the back of your outlines. The new covenant, it presents hope. The new covenant, it presents hope. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. The good thing about this hope that we have, as I mentioned earlier, my heart is set on nothing else but Jesus Christ. My hope is set on nothing else but Jesus Christ in his righteousness, and he is the solid rock on which I stand. And this hope, this hope is the same hope that you can have. It's not an I wish type of a hope. It's not let's let's see if it happens type of a hope. When the Bible talks about hope, it is something that it is expecting. It will happen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, not wished for, but anticipating, knowing they're going to happen. That's what faith is. Faith, Hebrews 11.1, uh, is the substance of things hoped for, things that will happen. That's what I focus on, the things that will happen. And so Paul says, we have these, this understanding that these things are going to take place. There is a new covenant now. And because I understand this new covenant, I can be bold. As a matter of fact, he says, what? Very bold. There's a movement that has been going on for a very long time. You see, the more that God's covenant, the Old Testament, the Old Testament covenant showed us our wickedness, showed us that we couldn't be perfect, showed us that we, we, we were just depraved and wicked. And every time that the covenant comes up, the people felt depraved and wicked, and they did all that they knew what to do. And God had instructed them, sacrifice either a lamb, a ram, a turtle dove, bring some wine offering, some grain offering. They were constantly bringing some sort of sacrifice to God to appease the, uh, well, the, the righteousness of God. Because we violate God's righteousness all the time. And there's this sacrificial system that was just constantly ongoing. They were sacrificing all the time. But that's what God had demanded. Somebody has to pay for this wickedness of man. And it's been like that from the very beginning. Fast forward to the late, early 60s, 70s, and 80s. And all of a sudden, the Ten Commandments cannot be on the wall cannot be in school, cannot be in the government. The Ten Commandments cannot be anywhere. Prayer, all those things that remind us of our sin, of our wickedness, we don't want to see it. Now fast forward some 40 years later, guess what's happening? We have this depravity in our culture that they have no sense of morality of any kind. Why? Because, well, there's nothing to gauge that on. Everything and anything goes. Now, I don't think I have to educate you. Uh, my wife and I were talking about that this morning, uh, of, of abortion, you know, and how wicked and vile that has gotten, and the laws that they have passed on being able to execute a child even after gestation. And it's up to the doctor or the mom, but it's legal now to murder a baby. And it is, it is wicked and vile, and it has taken out the sanctity of life these commandments that were meant to point us to Jesus Christ. Not that we're supposed to keep them, but to point us. And those things have all been taken away. Now, that's just the commandments, but you, you take that to the furthest level that we see within our church. And now, well, look at our churches. Look at where we're at today. 
And that's just today. That's just within the last, what, three, four months? You know, what's going to happen at the end of the year? What's going to happen next year? And this has all just been rapidly going forward. It's because this present hope that some people claim they have, they don't have any boldness anymore. Well, you know, well, first it's a, it's a mask, then it's a line, then it's a closure, then it, you know, it, it's all these things that are just amping up. I, I read on the gospel according to Facebook. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thou cannot buy or sell anything unless you wear a mask. And then they move that over to Revelation. Thou cannot buy or sell unless thou art wearing a mark. It's conditioning. Beloved, we are being conditioned to accept everything as it is. Why? Because there is no hope. There is no expectation of anything. There is no hope. There is no boldness in that hope that some people claim they have. There is no hope. We need to stand firm in this hope because, you know what? The new covenant is perfectly clear. Number five. The new covenant is perfectly clear. It amazes me on how a lot of people say, I just can't understand this. It's clear. It really is. You either follow what Jesus says or you don't. I spoke with somebody this last week. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm still good. I'm great. You everything, me and Jesus, yeah, I know I don't, I'm not perfect, but I'm good. I, I says, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Man, you're the most dangerous type of Christian there is. That who says he's saved and lives like the devil. It's clear. See, as a matter of fact, Paul says in verses 13 and 14, not like Moses. I have to go back a little bit to 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. Their minds were hardened. And here's where the clarity is. If you're elect, if God has chosen you, then it makes sense. It's there. It starts to make sense. It might be a little, okay, well, how does this happen? How does this work? We walk you through the Lord's Supper. We walk you through baptism. We walk you through a quiet time. We walk you through the Bible. And the Bible starts to make sense. And all of a sudden, this new covenant, it, it, it's not dependent on me keeping the law. What it's dependent upon is me keeping my relationship with Jesus Christ on fire, on, connected. Connected in prayer, connected in music, connected in song, connected in his word, connected in, in just with others. Now, beloved, I want you to know that this is all designed to disconnect us, this social distancing. It's designed to disconnect us. Now, please don't get me wrong. I understand that there needs to be some, you know, some, some wisdom used in what we do and how we do it. But, but you know, again, you're not going to be able to determine who lives and who dies. The government is not going to be able to determine who lives and who dies. This is all part of God's agenda. Who lives and who dies. And people live and people die every day. I don't want to be morbid about that, but God is in total control. He is the one. Now, with that said, please, wash your hands. Mocosos, blow your nose. Okay? Uh, mocosos means snot-nosed kid. You know, wash, blow your nose. You know, if you have a cold, stay home. If you have a fever, you know, just don't go out. Use wisdom. Uh, you know, you know and, and if you have to wear a mask, then wear a mask. You know, but, but the point is, is that no, no one else on this planet is in control but God. And he's going to see it happen. He's going to see it through. And so the Bible is perfectly clear. The covenant is perfectly clear. Not like the time with Moses. And here's the thing that's happened. Because 
Everything has been taken out of our society. Yeah, people are all confused. They have all this idea. So, uh, somebody once said to me just recently that, yeah, I was talking about, you know, it's the blood of Jesus Christ that, is, that has been propitiated to all those that are His. Oh, yeah, but there's another blood that's going to be spilt. I go, no, Jesus was sufficient. No, but there's another, there's another blood. Yeah, it's in the Bible. Read it. You know what? I don't even want to listen to you, let alone try to find that. There is no more blood. This is it. And, and it's confused. Why? Well, because, number one, we don't have these anymore. You know what we have? We have these. And we have, well, everything else. No, don't get me wrong. If you're using your phone, it's good. Okay? Uh, just don't let me catch you playing Candy Crush. All right? But, but the, <laughs> this is, if we're, we're going to say we're people of the word, then we should have a word, right? We should have it in our hands. We should understand it, memorize it, read it through. Because what's happening right now is it's being taken away from us as quickly as possible. And yeah, it isn't clear anymore. Because, well, it says this, you know, and it says that. One of the biggest, I guess, you've heard me say this over and over and over again, is God helps those who help themselves, is what some people say. And it's in the Bible somewhere. Thus says Hezekiah or somebody like that says that. No, Benjamin Franklin said that. God didn't say that. God says, God helps those who ask. You ask, God is there. It is clear. Number six, the new covenant points to Christ. Always points to Christ. From the very beginning, it was constantly pointing to Christ. Paul says a little bit later that it's a tutor. He's the tutor that points to Christ. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. It's like all of a sudden, wow. You ever see that? I've never seen that before. Did that ever happen to you? I feel like I, I can see differently now. Why? Because that veil that was closed over your eyes, over your heart, all of a sudden it just penetrates and transforms you from the inside and changes you to the person that God wants you to be. And what does he want you to be? More like Christ. He doesn't want you to be more like you or a better you. That's the last thing God wants. He doesn't want you to be anything like me either. He wants you to be more like Jesus. Stop comparing yourself to your brother. Stop comparing yourself to your dad. Stop comparing yourself to your pastor or anyone else. Jesus wants you to become like him. And when we see that standard, when we recognize that covenant that was established between God and Jesus Christ and us, we recognize we fall short. This is why Paul says, all of us fall short from the glory of God. Jesus Christ's righteousness is imputed upon us. Now my desire is to move forward as in, oh, I jumped. I'm going to get to that point right now. <laughs> that was supposed to be point number eight. I was, I was, that was supposed to be my smooth transition. Uh, number seven, it points to Christ. The covenant is powered by the Spirit. Now the Lord is a Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Finally got there. Happy Fourth of July, folks. A few days late. There is freedom. And here's the freedom that we have. The freedom that we have is, okay, I got to read the Ten Commandments. I got to know that these things I shouldn't do. Please don't do these things. Please do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Please do not have any other gods before you. You know, don't do those. Don't make any griven images. 
you know, honor your father and your mother. Remember the Sabbath. Don't commit murder, adultery, covetedness. Don't do those things. Do the things God's calling you to do. Okay? And and so the, the only way that we can live that lifestyle is by the Spirit's power. Uh, you know, there's, there's been a, and I, I like to brag about this, so see, please give me a little bit of freedom on this, because it, it, it's a very good illustration, but I like to brag about this, because there was a time when, you know, I, I would do everything as scrupulously as possible. You know, if I can get away with something, I'd get away with it. And if I can burn somebody, I would burn somebody. And, you know, of course, one of the biggest people that I used to like to burn, uh, before I go there, can you guys put a pause on this tape? Never mind. I used to like to burn the government, okay? And, and, and what I used to do was, of course, I buy a vehicle. I'd go to the Department of Motor Vehicles and say, how much you pay for it? Oh, they gave it to me. Really? Okay. So no taxes having to be paid. Don't have to do that. Well, you know, it wasn't not long after I became saved that I recognized, you know, I can't be doing that anymore. So I'd go to the DMV and they said, how much did you pay? Actually, I went to a, a kiosk or a place that does registration. They go, how much you pay? I paid 5000 for it. You don't have to say you paid 5000 I said, why not? He goes, well, because you can put 500 if you want, but I paid 5000 But, you know, you put that much in there, then you got to pay taxes on it. Okay, I understand that. I know. I came from that lifestyle. But that's not how I operate in my life. You know, and, and this is a very simple illustration because I still know a lot of Christians that do this. And I just want you to know that it never, ever turns out good for you. It doesn't. You know, you might think you got away, you might think you got over, you might think you might have helped yourself a little bit there, but God keeps a record. The only way that you can do anything like that is being powered by the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is going to convict your heart, and you're going to listen to what the Holy Spirit says, and you're going to move forward, and God's going to honor that and bless that. Oh, I can't tell you how many times, over and over again, God has just blessed my life, my family's life, in so many different ways. When we had nothing to, to really just survive on, it seems like we had everything to live on. Our, our cars wouldn't break down. Our shoes wouldn't wear out. And it, it was just amazing on how, in hindsight, I look at these things and I realize, wow, God. And, and now, you know, I'm at, I'm at a ripe old age. They call me the old man now. Uh, you know, I, I'm able to look back and praise God for all that he's blessed us with. And I'm praising God that he's going to continue to do so. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to praise him. You know, because, number eight, the new covenant promotes transformation. Here's where I was going with this. It promotes transformation from the inside out. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. You're being transformed. Not to a better you. Not to a different you. Not to somebody else. And not to anybody else, but to Jesus into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul doesn't spell this out in 2 Corinthians, but this is a theme that he loves to share with us. In Romans chapter 12, he says, oh no, I forgot the D uh, on your outlines. There it is. It's over there. <laughs> Put a D in front of that O. Do, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't conform to the world. And this is what's happening today. We have, of course, the reprobate, those that are unregenerated, 
they're conforming to the world because that's, that's what they do. This is who they are. There is no guideline. There is no standard. There is no old covenant, let alone a new covenant. There is nothing that they can compare themselves with. Society has made sure to get rid of all these things that upset us, that uh, you know, you just we don't want anything to do with. And so if anything offends me, I want it taken, taken out of here because I don't want to be offended uh, of, of you telling me how I have to live my life. And so all these things are taken out. And so there is no anything else but the world left to give us the guidelines. And Paul says, don't let this world transform you or conform you or squeeze you into its mold, as Peterson would say in the, uh, message, uh, the message translation. He says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. But he says, but be transformed, metamorphosized, like a caterpillar into a, a butterfly. Be changed. Be different. Jesus says, be born again. Be different than what you used to be before. Be transformed. And he says this, by the renewing of your mind. Now, this is important. See, because the gospel of Jesus Christ is what Paul calls uh, the armor of God. He says to put on the helmet of salvation, which is the hope of salvation. It's the anticipation of salvation. This helmet that we put on our head, it's this anticipation of what we know is going to come. And this helmet is to protect your thinking, your mind, your thought process. Many of us live in the past. Many of us live by guilt and shame. And many of us live by this pain that was caused many years ago. And some, some of us even live by the pleasures of the things that we did in the past. And, and how, oh, the good old days. And oh, how the, those things would just, you know, they, they, they were just beautiful and wonderful. And beloved, they're not. And Satan knows how to play with your mind. This is why Paul says, be transformed and renew your mind. Think on the things of God. You've heard me say this many times, beloved, that when you focus on your problem, it is called worry. But when you focus on the person of Jesus Christ, it is called worship. Let me say that again. Every time that you focus on negative things, on the things that are going on in your life, the things that you're struggling with, you focus on those things, it turns into worry. And worry is that, you know, what if, what I, you know, and, and it's just got you going back and forth. Focus on negative stuff, it's going to cause you to worry. Focus on the problem. You're going to focus on it all day, all day long, and all it's going to do is mess up your day. You can't change the past. It's already happened. You can't control the future because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Tomorrow you might wake up and find out that the United States is gone. Then what? You can't change the past. You can't change the future. All you do is mess up your right now. You mess up your today. When you take your mind off the things that are holding you down, when you take your mind off the things that you're struggling with, when you take your mind off of all these problems in your life and you place them on Jesus Christ, that is called worship. You see, worship and worry cannot meet in the same place. Worship and worry cannot be in the same house. You're either going to worry about the problem or you're going to worship the Lord, the person of Jesus Christ. And, and uh, this is why Paul is saying, you know, don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Recognize, number one, I have a hope in Jesus Christ, that this new covenant that he gave me provides life, that this new covenant, it produces his righteousness. I'm 
rotten to my core. I am a pitiful sinner that Jesus Christ saved, and it is because of his righteousness, not mine. My righteousnesses are like dirty rags. This new covenant, it's permanent. It doesn't just happen today because I'm here at church on Sunday. It's permanent. It lasts. It'll be forever. This new covenant presents the hope, the anticipation. This new covenant is perfectly clear when you start to recognize and realize that the Holy Spirit is the one that is expounding these scriptures in our life. The new covenant always points to Jesus Christ, not to this culture, but to Christ. And everything else points to the culture. This new covenant is powered by the Spirit, and because the Holy Spirit, it's written by the Spirit and not by the law, the letter of the law, it's the Holy Spirit that enables me to fulfill my part in honoring Jesus Christ. And this new covenant promotes transformation. Beloved, be transformed. Be changed over. See, your commitment to Christ is what transforms your life. What you're focused on is going to change your life. And as you know, some of you tell me, you know, I'm just a born worrier. No, you're not. You're not a born worrier. You, didn't, you weren't born to worry. As a matter of fact, worry is a learned behavior. And the good thing about having a learned behavior is you can unlearn it. Worship flows from the heart. When the Spirit, which is the Lord, and the Lord is the Spirit, enters your life, the Holy Spirit just transforms you, just gives you that ability to see this. Now it's up to you to be discipled, to be disciplined, to connect, and to love, and to worship God, and to recognize, I can't do this on my own. Jesus Christ, your power and your power only, can I make it through this world? And those things that I used to do before, yeah, they're in the past. I don't even want to bring them up anymore. And it's unfortunate, at least in my life, that a lot of the things that I had done up to the age of 30, maybe even up to today sometimes, a lot of the things that I have done, I mean, they have consequences. I'm forgiven, but I'm still having to pay, even to this day, the consequences. Even to this day. And so what do I do? What, am I going to focus on that? Am I going to keep my eyes on that? Am I going to, or am I going to worship God? I'm going to worship God, and you know, God... I've already asked for forgiveness. I already moved on, and we'll just have to let that be where it's at and deal with it when it comes up and move forward. This new covenant. Here's the thing. Next, next week, we're going to start talking about the clay vessels on how our bodies are falling apart, but the spirit inside is you know, moving up. And, and we're, we're drawing closer to God, and, and the things that are going on around us are, are all pointing to this eventual end, whether the end of the world or the end of my life. You know, you can't keep this on forever. Somebody said to me, hey, you're getting old. I says, yeah. The good thing about being old is that, well, it doesn't last that long. I don't have that much time, so it's, it's only for a short time. You know, the 60 years prior to that, yeah, these next few years, eh, you know. Let me ask you to stand. Beloved, I'd love for you to just to grasp the concept of this new covenant. Taking the word that we've talked about today, taking, taking this message and, and applying it to your life and, and understanding that this new covenant is, is simple when you submit to Christ. Pride, arrogance, you know, yeah, but I heard. Constantly fighting, butting up against. Paul called them stubborn. Stiff-necked, 
God called them stiff-necked. Obstinate people. But I know this, and this is, no, no, submit. Submit to God's word. Let him change you from the inside out. Father in heaven, thank you once again for giving us this opportunity just to come before you and, and uh, review these messages and this, this verse. To review your word, Lord, in our life. And we thank you, God, that we have a new covenant. That our commitment to you enables us to give us the, the power to be able to fulfill this covenant. And Lord, this is a message that many people haven't heard. Don't understand the difference between the old and the new. But when we start to see this clearly, we start to recognize that this covenant, because of the hope, the anticipation, that what you're going to give us is exactly what it is that we need right now. And so, Father, I just want to thank you once again as you take this, the rest of this service and uh, you lead us in all things. So, Father, we thank you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.